the Sixers Group Therapy Podcast, available on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Give us a five-star rating and leave us a nice little review. You don't even have to listen to us, just do it for fun. On today's episode, Embiid had a baby, Jimmy Butler single-handedly won a finals game, and the Sixers took the first step towards a new future by hiring a new head coach. That is Glenn, a.k.a. Doc Rivers. We'll tell you how we feel about that. But first, first name Dane. To another session of Sixers Group Therapy. It's been about a week since my last Sixers meltdown. I am your host, Alex Wynn, aka Nuge. Unfortunately, June will not be joining us this week. He decided to skip therapy, but I'm still joined by the other guys. We have uh, Crip Hamilton himself, Dave DeBacco. What's up, everybody? And the one and only JB Mudbones. What's good? How are we doing, fellas? Good. Good for the first time in a while. I'm excited for this one. Uh, I'm actually like, I, like my spirits are fine. You know, I feel like the last few episodes has been kind of down, but I'm feeling decent today. Um, our last episode, we're, we're, uh, we're, we're falling down a little bit, guys. We only had, I think, 80, 80 downloads on our last episode, but we're up to 890 Total downloads, so only 110 more until we get to 1,000. 80 listens is still impressive. I'm, yeah. I'm blown away it was ever higher than that. We I need something believe, spicy. Yeah, I can't believe more than 10 people listen to any episode, like one of them being Amanda. But anyway, uh, yeah, so anyone who's listening, let's get us to 1,000 listens. You know, Tell your mom, tell your dad, tell your significant other, just, uh, just press play. That's all you got to do. You don't have to listen, just press play. But uh, – First, I want to start with a review. You could leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and subscribe. Uh, this is by John Bon Jovi. <laughs> Title is Incredible Pod. Since 2003, the New York Knicks have drafted Michael Sweeney, Marty Collins, Jordan Hill, and Ronaldo Balkman with first-round picks. They traded for Andrea Bagnardi, Dennis Pip Jr., Eddie Curry, and given up Marcus Camby, Mark Jackson, Danilo Gallinari, Trevor Ariza, and infinite first-round picks. They've totaled seven playoff wins in the past 10 years and are left with merely two true prospects of starting caliber on their roster. There is no hope, and the future is undeniably bleak for all Knicks fans in years to come. That said, Yikes. great pod, better guys. They love the Sixers. Five stars. Yikes. It could always be worse. That's right. I've, uh, I've been trying to figure out who this is, and I still don't know. I've asked all my Knicks fans friends, and no one, no one's claimed it yet. Wow, my not Drew Brescia. That's I a thought, pretty. I thought, I thought it was Drew Brescia, but it wasn't. He did not claim it. That was an effort-filled review. I mean, that was like a book. I appreciate Mark. the effort. Yeah, well thought out, well thoroughly researched. The bar is high for reviews. I mean, Junies is still number one, but maybe that's number two. <laughs> Easily. <laughs> You hear that, guys? You got to write, write us a good review like this. We'll, we'll read it on the pod, and we'll see what can top uh, Junies. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you're right. It could be worse. We could be the Knicks. Uh, I still think our situation hasn't been great. 
but it could always be worse. But a lot has happened since our last podcast. The NBA Finals have started. The Lakers are up 2-1. to one. Uh, Game 4 is tonight. Embiid had a baby boy. There is yet another report of Ben and Embiid not getting along. Elton Brand is seeking a contract extension. And uh, But let's start with this. It's been 43 days since Brett Brown has been fired. And Ned Cohen and Alex Rucker still have jobs. That is the same front office that has overseen the Fultz trade, Burnergate, trading for Jimmy, and then letting him walk, trading for mediocre-ass Tobias Harris, and also giving him a max contract, and also giving Al Horford a max contract. And there has even been a new head coach hire, and the front office still has their job. So let's get started with that. Our new coach is going to be Glenn Rivers. Before I get into it, what are your guys' first impressions? I haven't I haven't felt this this optimistic since the the morning before TJ Warren dropped fifty three points on us in the in the first bubble game. This is the look. They did this is a meaningful change to the front office. We know he has power. He's going to, but they're not going to, they won't dare say it publicly because right. they, they know better than to, you know, they don't, that, need, yeah. they don't need any more backlash than they already get from the, from, the, you know, all the other stupid things that this organization does. But Glenn Rivers will certainly, that's what he, he's always seek front office power. He had it with the Clippers forever. And it never works. It never works when a, when a coach has, you know, say in, in personnel. I mean, well, all coaches must have some say in personnel, but actual power, like to dictate moves that the team makes and any kind of, you know, operations position on top of the coach. It, it just never works. We know it never works. But you know what? We're stuck in the mud anyway. I mean, we can – I can come up with all the fake Toby trades in the world, but the reality is we're stuck with them. And give me give me the coach that – that made the most out of him that actually yes. had him playing like a borderline all-star. Like if we're stuck with him, let's, let's get the guy that figured him out that he's has a great track record with coaching big men, you know, Kevin Garnett in Boston, Deandre Jordan and Blake Griffin, very similar to Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons. I mean, Griffin and Deandre, neither one of them could shoot. At least Joel can stretch it a little bit, you know, and he figured it out. Blake is very similar to Ben and that they're freak athlete power forwards you know, almost seven feet tall with elite playmaking capabilities and, and ball handling capabilities, zero semblance of a perimeter game, no jump shot whatsoever for Blake Griffin when he came into the league. Doc cracked it. He figured it out. He made it work. Obviously, they had Chris Paul, you know, to kind of uh, uh, orchestrate the entire offense. And we all know better than anyone that we need a point guard. And uh, I'm sure they're going to get one. Maybe it's going to be Chris Paul, you know, get the band back together and uh, and uh, we'll be Slob City, Lob City 2.0. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you know what? I Simmons and Embiid have a way higher ceiling than Griffin and Jordan did. So why not? Why not? We got also have to get our JJ. We're gonna have to get the you know the shooting guard that can that can stretch it out. But you know that brings in the Buddy Heald rumors, and you know as as uh, capped out and and uh, asset dry as we are, we still have Thibel. We still have the OKC pick, and we still have all our own picks. And isn't that magical? The, the coach coming in that's going to have front office power, that's going to trade all our future picks unprotected. I mean, this is how the story ends, right? <laughs> it's a fairy tale ending, honestly. What could go well, wrong? Uh, you know what? Uh, before, before a little bit towards the end, if I, if I didn't already buy in, I'm definitely buying in now. 
Uh, JB, <laughs> what are your first impressions? Either way, regardless of who we were to uh, hire, I mean, what a major change to what we've been watching for seven years. Like, that's Brett was our coach for, what, seven years? That's so crazy. One, how long it's been, and two, how long – yeah, how long it's been. Same thing. Um, I think it's the same amount of years that Doc was uh, with the Clippers, or maybe one Really? Years. Yeah. 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 I so. And I love uh, – I love how Dave, uh, Doc Rivers, just pump and dump Toby on us. <laughs> he scammed us. That's exactly what he did. <laughs> oh my God, he pumped, he shilled him. He he he, him right he put him in his good position, let him shoot, tweeted about him from burners, and then traded him to us. Classic. Wow, pump and now, pump. now he has to. He has, for this us. is karma. This is karma for him. He has to undo undo the damage. And and when you go back. I mean, like one of the pro Brett arguments that I probably had said myself when everyone's been calling for his head for last two or three years was, um, well, who are you going to get? Van Gundy or Jay Wright or whatever. And I guess this shows how like teams are quick to react, whether it's right or wrong. And if you have one bad or maybe two consecutive bad, underwhelming playoff um, performances, regardless of your history of a coach, like people can be canned very quickly um, if you come in below expectations. So if I looked at the beginning of this year or even before the bubble at like the 30 current NBA coaches or however many teams – I would have never fathomed or imagined like Doc Rivers would eventually be our coach. He just seemed so like distant from us. I guess he was the rival on the Celtics. Um, I don't even he's know where else name. he's been. Yeah, he's like one of the biggest names, I would think, of like mm-hmm. the not new up and comer coaches that get all that everyone talks about. Like he's so, everyone says he's so respected. Like that's obviously a, a huge pro. Um, we'll talk about some of the alleged negatives that come with him but i don't know i thought he said all the right things during his press conference seems excited uh hopefully our players are excited he's uh he's definitely very charismatic he is a big name he has had a pretty impressive track record he has that you know two nba finals appearances winning one of them with boston uh, i kind of always kind of hated him because he was with Boston. So I got, sure. I never really thought much of him, but uh, now that he's our coach, um, I mean, he's, he, you're right. He's saying the right things. He, he has a, like a presence about him. Um, according to um, Spike Eskin of the rights to Ricky Santos podcast, he was the top of the list for Embiid. Um, so that makes me happy. If, as long as Joel is happy, then I think that's somewhere to start with. Um he does come with a kind of a controversial pass with, uh, with some of his playoff performances. Uh, we'll talk about that, but I do want to kind of go through um, some speculation of how this came to be. So before all this, probably since our last podcast, it seemed like Mike D'Antoni was a front runner, correct? And it kind of flip-flopped between we were expressing interest with Ty Lue. All of a sudden, Mike D'Antoni decided to leave Houston, and people were saying, oh, it's his job to lose. Uh, It came out – so the first person 
I saw to report that Glenn Rivers was going to probably be offered the job was from this reporter called uh, his name was Jason Dumas. I think he yeah. is a uh, a sports guy in the San Francisco area, but he had he's from Philadelphia. That was the first group I've seen of it, and the the time when they did offer it to him and he accepted, he reported that ownership did not want Ty Lue. They didn't want to give him the deal that he wanted, which is rumored to be five years. It came out that Mike D'Antoni was in the front runner, and it seemed like Elton did not want Mike D'Antoni, and then. Jason even speculated it was never going to be Mike D'Antoni, that they just use him as a smokescreen to see if they could negotiate with Ty Lue. Um, and then Doc Rivers became available, which was – it caught me off by surprise. I don't know about you guys, but it caught me sure. off. Uh, I was very surprised by it, and he was available. They moved quickly. They flew him out to Philly, and he spent – an entire uh, evening with Josh Harris and David Blitzer watching game one of the NBA finals uh, might make me question his judgment if he spent the entire night with them and decided to still take the job. But anyway, um, and yeah, here he is. So let's talk about some of the negatives that I referred to earlier. Uh, He's coming off fresh of a three to one, three to one lead over the Denver Nuggets that they blew. Uh, he also blew another three to one lead versus the Rockets. I think around 2015, it was like Josh Smith and um, Josh Smith like took over like game five or game six what? where they should have eliminated them, and they just completely was a complete meltdown. So, what do you guys think of of some of his quote unquote chokes of the past in his playoff performances? Sounds like something that would happen to us. Josh Smith yeah. goes off to spark the comeback. Um, yeah, you know, he definitely has some uh, has some red marks on his record. He has the ultimate green green check mark on his record too, though. He did win a win a championship in Boston in two thousand eight. That was twelve years ago, and uh, all these collapses have come since then. He never made it out of the second round in LA. And from what I've seen, I mean, from what I've been reading on Twitter, he is very stubborn with his in game adjustments. He um, is not really known as a tactician or a game planner, someone that's going to, you know, hence maybe that's why they blew all the 3-1 leads because he doesn't make – he can't make the right adjustments. Um, Similar to Brett. However, I think the difference between – so I said this to you guys on Friday. I'll say it again for our 80 listeners. Um, Brett was a good coach. I don't care what anyone says. He had had back-to-back 50-win seasons, and in those two seasons we – made it to the second round, and one of those we lost on a miracle shot to Kawhi. He's a good coach. Could he ever have gotten us to the to the NBA Finals and won a championship? Probably not, but he was still a good coach. He had a system. He paced in space, whipped the ball around, up and down the floor, play fast, shoot a lot of threes. The two years that we were really good, we had players that fit his system. I mean, Covington, Ilyasova, Bellinelli, J.J., He just had Dario. We just had dudes out there that would just spread the floor for Embiid and Simmons and just jack threes, and we were good. We were like a Milwaukee-type, you know, regular season team that can put up a lot of points, and then we just kind of, you know, get the the light shined on us in the playoffs and we get exposed and, you know, it kind of fizzles out. And uh, with, with Doc, he is known to get the most out of his guys and not necessarily known for his, like, X's and O's, but 
just for putting guys, maximizing their skill sets, putting them in a position to succeed. And he sticks to that. He doesn't, he, he doesn't make adjustments, but in a different way that Brett didn't make adjustments. He sticks with his guys and, you know, gets the most out of their skill set. That's what we need more than anything right now. I mean, this, the, the fit is so clunky and unorthodox. We have all these guys that kind of play the same position that don't really spread the floor. We have, we need somebody that can put them in, in positions to succeed and maximize their skill sets. That's how he got the most out of Tobias in LA. And, you know, I think, uh, but the talent, I mean, Simmons and Embiid, they haven't reached their ceilings yet. Maybe he can help them take the next step. And if they can take the next step, maybe we have enough talent to, you know, go deep in the playoffs and make a run. I don't know. What do you guys think about that? Um, I, I don't remember where we started, but that, that was a good, that was a good, uh, I, I remembered it on Friday and I was excited to hear it again, but I don't know. I think like well, that, that last part that you said is so important to me that he has a history of bringing the best out of his players. Like that has been, one of the main criticisms I've had and everyone's really had of our team, whether it's coach and or players like Simmons and Embiid are filthy and great and all stars and all team players and whatnot, but they've essentially been that way for the last two years where you see a lot of other young guys around the league that exponentially or even pick up one new thing that's added to their game that makes them, significantly better um again joe and and simmons are filthy but if doc can take them to filthy squared and make them slightly better or very better like oh my god that's that's gonna unlock so much that we could do with our surrounding players or with our offense or with any sets that this guy's going to bring to our court to the court um i don't really care that much about the three to three one blow blown leads i mean that's that's the past the past where we we care about like who's going to be the best leading our team to the future i was briefly excited about d'antoni just because like i don't know i was however old i was yeah when whenever the suns were fun was i like 13 or 14 years old i was like oh maybe that'll be cool for us and maybe we'll get quirky ass shot Sean Marion back out of retirement but realistically although there was a rumor that like Embiid signed off on it it probably would have backfired or who knows maybe I don't know Doc seems cool he's so a lot of the stuff that we're going to talk about what he said in the press conference he didn't shed too much light on his game plan for the team and obviously he shouldn't I mean he doesn't know anything uh, about our team about our players or personalities to whatnot but in summary, um, I'm pretty, pretty juiced up about it. Yeah, I, uh, he, he's the biggest name available, right? I mean, I think you can't really get too mad at this hire. You know, I, I mean, me, me personally, I've actually kind of found myself not being able to get too excited, but like, I'm not unhappy about it, you know, because I think at the end of the day, besides the front office needing, needing change. I mean, I don't know what's going on with that, but I just need Embiid and Simmons to buy in. And I think it's as simple as that. I think it doesn't matter who's a coach unless Embiid and Simmons like fully, fully buy all the way the fuck in. And uh, he might be the person to do it. He's definitely well-respected. He has the, you know, the championship experience. 
Um, so just like, you know, just like Dave said, maybe if he can get them and Joe said it too, as long as he can get them to be um, a step above what they've been the last two years and not just remaining status quo, have them improve, get them in uh, positions where they'll thrive, um, then I can see positives happening. Um, I, I am a little concerned because there was an ESPN article that was written shortly after his firing from the Clippers. Um, it basically said that, you know, Steve Ballmer didn't really understand how they could lose that 3-1 lead to the Denver Nuggets, and he was kind of questioning Doc's leadership. There were some stories that he favored Kawhi and Paul George more than the other players, and that didn't really go well in the locker room, especially with the team that, that was still there last year who took Golden State to six games and won 48 games, and like the, they were like the ragtag, hardworking group. Uh, they didn't really like to see two other players being favored other than themselves, but that kind of sounds like the Sixers with, you know, holding players accountable. And it's been said that Embiid and Ben kind of did whatever the hell they wanted under Brett Brown. So that's a little bit concerning. I, I will say it just, Brett was a good coach. I agree with Dave. He was a good coach. I think it was just time for him to go. Sometimes the voice wears out in the locker room and, because if you remember, Embiid gave him a vote of confidence last year. There was the, the leak 24 hours before game seven that Brett might get fired if they don't win. Embiid, after the loss, he, he took the blame. He said, he said Brett Brown should get another shot. So, um, I, you know, I, I do think Brett was a good coach. It's just, you know, with all this, the situation that happened, it's just, it was just time for him to go. Um, so now we have a new voice, and it seems like it's, it's uh, approved by Embiid, which I love to hear. Ben Simmons still hasn't said anything about it, but uh, we'll talk about that later. Uh, I don't think it's a big deal, but or is it? I don't know. But anyway, um, yeah, I just let me, I, go let me add one. Th- let me add one thing to that. I listened to Zach Lowe the other day. He said something really interesting to the uh, just how the Clippers season ended this year. So before before the season got canceled, right when COVID started, the Clippers were like really clicking on all cylinders and really ascending and looking like the favorite in the West. And then everything stopped. And then there were two teams that voted to not play in the bubble. The Clippers were one of them. They didn't want to be there. None of them wanted to. Lou Williams, you know, was fucking at uh, magic city getting get at the strip club, you know, the first week back in the bubble after leaving for a death and Patrick Beverly missed a bunch of time. Montrez Harrell missed a bunch of time. They just they they seemed like they didn't really want to be there. They were one of the two teams that voted to actually not go through with it. So I think um, in Doc's defense, I think you know at the end of the day, the players have to actually want it, and it didn't really seem like they wanted it. And I think that showed in uh and them blowing the lead. So I'm uh, I'm optimistic. I'm always optimistic. That's because I'm a sucker. So until he trades all our unprotected picks for Chris Paul and he comes here and sprains his ankle, I, I will stick up for Doc. It, it was a weird situation, you know, and, and Harold's grandmother passed away. So it, with, with all this shit going on and you can't leave the bubble for three months or so, it probably was a weird situation. And, I mean, I don't think that's the end-all be-all, but, I mean, I, I think I could kind of overlook the last three-to-one blown lead with all that has happened. Um, it was, it was kind of weird, but I, I think, listen, in, in his coaching career, he's only had – two losing seasons. I know like we, 
obviously it's it's a, a given that we want to have a winning season. We want to win 50-something games or so. But, I mean, I think it's just the longevity speaks for itself. And uh, I'm excited what he's going to do here. I think it's uh, it's just saying, like, anytime you get a, any brand-new purchase or brand-new change, like, you're, you're excited for it. You want to see what happens. So I'm here for it. I'm excited to hopefully see. Like, I don't even care how many wins we get. 50 is cool as, like, an arbitrary number, but – all I want to see is the first few games, just some semblance of a plan of like an executable plan that is clearly working for our players and not working for just like a system being forced, which uh, is a criticism of Brett. Like we were lost before the bubble. We were lost after the bubble, except for that brief period of like two strong scrimmages. But I don't know. I get, as you just said, I would have been, or as we've all said, I would have been happy with any hire except probably Teron Liu because he is in our intro getting embarrassed. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm now extra excited, at least temporarily. Yeah, and he said it in the press conference. I mean, he was like, they were asking him about how he's going to utilize, you know, all, every, all the guys together. And he was like, look, my offense is, you know, score points. We're always among the, the, the league leaders in, in points scored per game. So, and I think if anything, the offense was just unbearable this year because Brett, loyal, married to his system of pace and space, shoot a lot of threes, to say the least, did not have the personnel to, to fit that system. And I think that's why it just looked so fucking bad this year, all year, minus the, the two preseason games in the bubble when, you know, Ben shot threes. Coincidence? Maybe. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, I think um, you know, I, th- I think he'll he'll figure out how to maximize everybody, and if he does, I mean, we as as clunky and and as a terrible fit as all our guys are, that they they're very talented. I mean, individually, they're they're talented players. So, you know, if he can put the pieces together and uh, and make the puzzle fit, I think uh, you know the rest will follow. Yeah, I think we can all agree that the regular season and the playoffs are severely different. Like, it's almost like a different sport. But with the last year's Sixers, they just they never looked like they had it together. They maybe for one or two games, and then the next game, you know, two days after blowing out Milwaukee, they lose to the Orlando Magic by double digits, you know. So I, I, would, I agree with Joe. I, do, would, I would like to see some, you know, some kind of plan during the regular season just to get an idea of how they're going to fit. Um, and then they're going to have to put it together again in the playoffs. But, you know, that's a long way from here. So, uh, you know, let's let's talk about what he said during the press conference. Just to run through real quick, he said that, you know, he was ready to take a break, but this the Sixers job wasn't a job that you turned down. He said the combination of Ben and Joel have won 65% of the games. So the pairing works, and he, he firmly believes that. He doesn't get caught up in the positions. He said the roster is loaded. He specifically named, you know, Joel, Ben, uh, Shake Milton, and, of course, Tobias Harris, who he said he's excited to coach again. Matisse. Uh, he did, Matisse, and uh, did not mention Al Horford, according to some people. I, I didn't watch the full press conference, but there was some debate of whether he mentioned him or not, but I don't think he did. In that specific segment, of the of the interview when he was rattling off players, he did not say Al Horford's name. Yeah, I think the only time he met, he said Al, I think they talked about, like, have you talked to the players? And he, like, rattled off. I've talked to Ben. I've talked to Joe. I've talked to Al, like, about 
he said mostly just as an introduction, not like talking strategy. But other than that, um, yeah, he got very minimal time being mentioned. Which I would like to I would like to throw out that when we did beat them in Philadelphia earlier this year, he did said some kind of quote that Al Horford can fit with us. Oh my god! So I hope that I hope he didn't mean it. And I wanted to yeah. trade him for Buddy Heald. I would really love that. Who's been liking all these Sixers posts or these like photoshops from NBA fans of him to the so Sixers? Weird. It's They're very random. open. He's very open about it. Does he just uh, maybe he just maybe he just knows that if he plays with Ben, he'll just he'll get twelve threes a game. Can he do if he if he could do half of what JJ did? That'd be fantastic. He could be better. Why couldn't he be better than JJ? Right. He's the same kind of player, I, but he's I see a, like, I see a lot of Kings fans saying, oh, you, like, you don't know what you are actually buying into. I'm like, no. If he could do what JJ did, like, I'm fine, dude. I'm, like, that's all I we need. Don't need him to do, we don't need him to do anything else but catch and shoot, not, not think about It'd it for okay half a second, which is what he's good at. <laughs> yeah, JJ, as a former huge fan of him, like, what he brought to our offense was so money, like – non-stop running in circles and doing those little pick plays. Yeah. Like, I don't know if it's – I've watched, like, two minutes of Buddy healed, and I don't think it's as simple as, like, he'll just slide in as JJ, but I don't think there's I'll any better option than, than him. Who else out there is there? Right. Uh, Except JJ. <laughs> JJ, who's if – you, if you watch him in pregame warm-ups and everything, he's very, very, very dedicated to his craft. And I think he just perfected what he's good at doing. So if you're right, I don't think it's as easy as just plugging him in. But uh, he he certainly has a talent for it, right? Yeah, I mean he's a he's been a gunner since he's entered the NBA scene. And where you go, Oklahoma, right? Oklahoma, like, yeah. We we know that's what we need. We need shooters. They're not going to be JJ or maybe not even close. But if we're if our top stars play as good as they can be, then just fucking sit in the corner and get ready to shoot. Be PJ Tucker, but with a better shot. I love exactly. PJ Tucker. Oh yeah, me too. He's awesome. Oh, I would, I, would t- I would take him on my team in a heartbeat. Yeah, I, would kill I wanted to him. Have PJ Tucker on my team. That was a if he if D'Antoni came, I was hoping that they brought Probably. along PJ. <laughs> but one one interesting thing, Doc said during all the questions and answers was, I mean, he intentionally, again, as he should, didn't dive into any plans for the specific team, roster, strategy, blah, blah, blah. But he did say, like, we're going to play faster, which I thought was interesting because I thought that's literally what Brett's offense was too. So he clearly noticed if that's the first thing that, like, top of mind that he's going to do, which is – easy to say without diving into too much tape, like we're going to be play faster. Like he down, he mit or minimized the need to get better at three. I, I think he said like the Sixers were the ninth best in the league last year, but he said, we're going to play faster, which I mean, that definitely, I think that's the way of the NBA. Everyone's play fast. It supports our whole roster. I think, except maybe Joel. I mean, that's kind of weird and Al obviously, but I think it's, as we just talked about, it seems like a pretty set in stone that he will not rock a Sixers jersey next year, and I'll be very disappointed if he does. I wonder what roster changes Doc has in mind. I wonder if he's targeting any players in his head. Yeah, and I love how, um, like, it's it seems to us that it's a given that he will have 
or he said in the press conference again, just botching some of his quotes was like me and I'm excited to work with Elton, work with Elton, collaborate with Elton. I don't know if he said collaborate. That's probably on like the do not say list, but um, I mean, I'll, I'll take him collaborating, even though there's like a huge conflict of interest when you're a coach and GM type, but over Alex Rucker and the other losers who I don't, we didn't even mention the report that came out by Pompey, of course, that said that they're going to stay with the team in like a different role. Like what a, what a dis- ridiculous disgrace of a team. Pointless. Yeah. A different, a different role that, that does not have any interference with doc rivers personnel decisions. Yeah. I love how obvious it is that <clears throat> Keith Pompey is just fed Dixer <laughs> stuff. He, they do this, like one of the biggest, press conferences we've had in Philly in a while. And of course, first quick question, definitely not a coincidence goes to Keith Pompey. Um, it's amazing. Yeah. And Did you guys see uh, when the news broke that Glenn is taking the job, it, the Keith Pompey, his original tweet was the Sixers are accepting the Sixers job. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's got a tendency to type a little faster than his mind, but yeah. Yeah. Hey, I mean, that's probably the dream of a reporter to, even if you have to deal with a couple fake leaks, to have a have a pretty good in as long as he's not getting abused. So, yeah, good for it's him. Just, it's just funny, so blatantly obvious it is. You know, it's so much for the end of collaboration days. Meanwhile, you have Elton and the owners like debating who they should hire as coach, even though Elton said he would be the lead on that. Yeah, oh, that was kind of funny. Like, um, and I, do you think all owners um, out there would meet with a, a new coach? Is Maybe that's – was that not as crazy as, like, obviously we're quick to attack it because of literally everything with our history of shitty collaboration and shitty owners. But, like, I, I find it hard to believe that, like, the, the owner of the Clippers isn't going to go meet with – I mean, maybe not Ty Lue because he was so close to the team anyway, but I don't know. Pick a random team out there that fires a coach after X amount of years. Is, do they really put all their trust in the GM? I mean, fuck, I, I hope they do. That's the point of them. That's why you hire them. But, I think it depends on the team. Like like the Miami, I'm sure Pat Riley has full reign. You know? True. Uh, he, obviously, he deserves it more than like Ellen would. Um, so, you know, you're right. Maybe it's not as weird, but I, mean, I think every situation is different. I think Mark Cuban would definitely want to meet with the coach. I think Golden State's a little more hands-off with Bob Myers. Um, you're right. But, like, our owners have proven that they should be nowhere near anything close to basketball operations. Yeah, I well, take it back. Fuck that for them being there. Like, you should yeah. hire a GM that you have confidence in to do his job as general manager. You don't have to fucking micromanage and be involved. You know nothing about basketball and have ne- made nothing but bad decisions. The worst thing, and you guys already touched on it, but I'll say it again for our 80 listeners out there to make sure they understand that it's really bad, is that Elton wanted Ty Lue, ownership wanted D'Antoni, and according to Woj's article, if Doc doesn't magically become available, D'Antoni's our coach right now. Yeah. 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 It's like who our GM did not not want. So So much for letting him take charge. They just continuously you, make themselves look worse and worse. It's almost impressive how bad they are at making themselves look good. 
Oh man, it's like if you if you don't want to be an embarrassment, please just hands off. Like you 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 guys have done enough. Like just hands off. I I know it's on brand, but I, I mean it, it, he's got to be better than having input from you know stupid ass Josh Harris and David Blitzer. Um, yeah, I don't know. I I just think I think if if you're gonna say you're giving him full control, just give him full control and stay hands off. But, um, you know, getting back to what Doc said in the press conference, I really want to talk about because I, I really like this. Um, he said he needs all the players to buy in. He said winning, winning requires sacrifice. And for them to get better, every single player is going to have to sacrifice something. So that's interesting. Um, he also said he's not worried about Ben's shooting. He said Ben has shown an ability to create points. Um, so it'll be interesting what he means by those two and to see what Ben does coming into the season. What do you guys think about his approach? Hey, maybe it's true. I mean, we were all in the camp that Ben needs to shoot, and maybe that was primarily because Brett was just forcing the same offense for the last three, four years, and our players were the same, and it's not going to magically start opening up. Maybe Doc can do something better or make the surrounding players do better in different roles, and he won't need the shoot. Who knows? I mean, I'm still rooting for it because I think it will be cool and good for everyone if he can become a threat. But I don't know. He seemed pretty steadfast in that comment. Obviously, he was ready for that question. I think it was Howard who asked. Oh, definitely. Got to (laughs) be. In his sarcastic tone. He's like, I don't even care about threes. Can I get him to shoot a 16-footer? Which is like the the shot that's on its way out in the NBA. Um, Dave alluded to it earlier, the um the Blake Griffin and DeAndre Jordan comparison. Like maybe he can put Ben in similar spots that he had Blake in. What do you think about that, Dave? Yeah, that's the dream. I mean, you know, Simmons and Embiid, they aren't the best fit, you know, and uh but like I said, if he can if Doc can figure out a way to make Blake and DeAndre Jordan work. I mean, Simmons and Embiid are, are 10 times better, at least more talented. And Embiid can actually stretch it out. I mean, DeAndre Jordan was just a rim runner. Embiid is so much right. more than that. I mean, that's not even Absolutely. the strength of his game. I mean, he, they, there must be a way to crack the code. And, again, this be, uh, Brett, stubborn, married to a system, pace and space, not really innovative and, and putting guys in positions to succeed individually – and that's what Doc does. He puts guys in position to succeed individually and uh, based on their skill sets. And I'm excited. I mean, I really think if there's somebody out there that can that can get the most out of these guys together. And, I mean, we always we always joke about it. You know, we, uh, we, we love to come up with fake Embiid and fake Simmons trades, but we always say it at the end of the day, you want to try to keep both and make it work if you can. And I think Doc is the guy. Like, they're, they're showing that they want to do that. I mean – if they were really going to consider trading one of them, I, the doc's not the guy you hire right now. And I don't think he takes the job if he's privy to that information. So I think, uh, I think he'll figure it out. I really do. Look, they, um, Ben and Joel have only played three years together. If the season doesn't stop due to COVID, they probably win 50 games again. So that means three years they played 50 game, 50 game wins, uh, 50 wins, fucking 50 win season for three straight years. My bad. Um, 
I mean, I don't think that's something like Doc said, that's not something to break up. That's a, that's a pairing that works. And they, you know, they had a weird team this year. So, you know, we said in other podcasts, Brett was the coach who got them from A to B. And now maybe Doc is the coach to get them from B to C. Then I'll start calling him Doc if he wins us a championship because uh, he'll have earned that title. Yeah, I love how that was like the biggest or one of the big follow-ups. We hired Doc Rivers and Zoom off Twitter starts blowing up. What are you going to call him? What are you going to call him for for the listeners that don't know? And I didn't pick up on this until like literally this year. (laughs) Mark Zumoff had refused to call him Doc Rivers, his nickname for forever. Because out of respect for the only doctor in Philly, Dr. J, he says. Um, but if you were following yesterday, Zoom Off was hyping up like a 6 p.m. Uh, NBC sports show where he was like, and I've never seen him do anything like this. He's like, tune in at 6 to figure out what we're going to call Doc Rivers in Philly. And the result was he, he's going by Glenn, which is kind of funny. I wonder if that will last. <laughs> Was I saw the tweets? Didn't he? Didn't did he ask Doc? Did he ask Glenn? Yeah, they talked through it. Like yeah. Glenn, Doc Rivers said, like uh, there should like Doctor J should be the only doctor in Philly. I don't know how he exactly phrased it, but I I feel like there's no I way that persists. Like that's just everyone yeah, else so in the league yeah. calls him Doc. It would just be weird. It would be yeah, weird. Yeah, it'll be. I think he's gonna fold. And everyone will it's slip so up. so petty. Yeah. Yeah, I think he's definitely going to slip up. I think it was a fun bit. And, like, yeah. I, don't think he, I don't think it was any, like, ill will behind or anything. That, for any of those who were wondering, I think it was just a funny bit. Uh, I think he'll stick with it a little bit, but I think eventually he's going to give in and start calling him Doc. Uh, I'm yeah, going to call I him Doc soon, too. Let's, let's call it for what it is. Zumoff's just racist, I think. <laughs> <laughs> no. Even uh, Dr. Just, just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> it's good. Uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, that's all I got for uh, the Doc Rivers hiring. What do you guys think? Any, any last thoughts? Besides, uh, he did mention he is in favor of load management, so that's something to watch for too. Yeah, I, don't, I think no one can say anything against that. Even if deep down you think everyone's pansies and don't believe it, there will be no coach that ever says that outright, like, nah, <laughs> nah, my guys are going 45. He had a great um, point. He was like, he even said, did, did you see me walk in here? I, I look yeah. like that because there was no load management when I played. Yeah. I um, thought that, rapid fire. I thought it was cool. Like the specific quotes he said about uh, shake and, and uh, Matisse, like Matisse, he said, he's a, uh, like an all de- NBA defender to begin with, like already, which is amazing. And shake, he made like his, one of his few jokes. He was like, Hey, if shake plays anything like, he did against us last year. There's nothing I need to tell him to do, which is like, that's funny how like that was our, that was our boy. Like everyone wanted shake our nobody second round pick. And he had that crazy game against our soon to be coach. And that's stuck in his mind. Like that's so unleash cool. shake. Yeah. That's gotta be such a cool feeling for shake. Who's yeah. what, probably like 23 years old. Like how dope. I love it. Yeah. That's going to be uh it's going to be fun to see. Um, Shake, he almost single-handedly beat them without Ben, without Jamal, had 39 points and was uh, – didn't he set an NBA record between that and another game hitting like 13 straight threes? 
I think he they they had said he said it and then revised it to that he tied it. I think I was oh, so gotcha. sad. So yeah, maybe uh, maybe big things to come from Shake. But but anyway, yeah, I'm excited. Um, I think uh, I, I, at first I was I was kind of indifferent, but talking it out with you guys, like I'm actually getting kind of pumped because I I want to see something new. I think uh, the past two years have been kind of stagnant. Um, and it's time to see some improvement from our two big guys. So, uh, moving on, uh, tonight is game four of the NBA finals. It's two to one Lakers and we're just coming off a 40 point triple double from Jimmy Butler. Who are you guys rooting for in this series? Go heat go. Oh yeah. All day. I think I convinced myself I'm a heat fan. I think it started as a bit. That it made us, made our ownership and GMs and everyone look so terrible, uh, the more or the better that Jimmy did. But I think I've just been following that, that uh, hope so long that I like watch these games and actively root for them. And I'm just against the Lakers super team, but they're so cool. The Heat are so cool. I, I hate the Lakers so much. So I was rooting for the Heat. I was going with the bit that as you know, the better the Heat do, the worse the Sixers look, and I'm all for it. But after Game Three, I just can't do it, man. I hope, like all this Jimmy Butler praise is going to make me throw up. I think people, I think it's revisionist history. People forget, like we had some like pretty dark times last year with Jimmy, especially around like January, February. He like literally like refusing to shoot a three for two months and but he like, does it he does it in miami and they it, make it work yeah you know <laughs> it's you know, so some, it's fuck brett <laughs> hinky hinky said it our guy hinky said himself sometimes you can be wrong for the right reasons and you know Ooh. i i'd love i'd love to shit on this uh, the sixers front office as much as the other guy but if uh you know we we mentioned it earlier it, it probably became between Ben and Jimmy. I don't think it was like Jimmy's like, I don't want Ben here. I don't think Ben said, I don't want Jimmy here. I just don't think Jimmy was coming back. And this might just. Same. And if it did become like, if it did come between them, you're not choosing Butler over Ben Simmons at the time. Like the age and. and you're still the not. Potential. You're, you're no way. You're not now, you know? Yeah. So. This bubble, I think they the, knew. I think they knew. Sorry. I think they knew Jimmy wasn't coming back when they made the Tobias trade. Right. That almost right. seemed like. Yeah, it seemed more like a hedge than a than a push. All the chips in the middle. We're going all in here for the for the ring this year. It felt like it. Maybe that was an added bonus, but it felt like a hedge against Jimmy leaving. I know there was a lot of like you know, looking back and what we could have done with like Sixers Twitter, but the fact is, no one no one saw this coming. No one did. No one could have predicted this. And I think the bubble and the this whole season is just weird enough for it to happen. I'm not making excuses. Jimmy Butler has been fantastic, and he deserves the praise he's getting. It's just – it's a little much for me. I'm getting a little nauseous thinking about it. So I kind of hope uh, – for as for who I'm rooting for the NBA Finals, I kind of hope sports just ceases to exist. Um, and then I can just move on with my life. I love when they catch him on video, like with those little comments under his breath. Like the first one was, "I do like that." That's we sick. some bad motherfuckers, and like I guess after they won on Game Three, he I think they caught him saying like, "You better start wearing now or something." He said, "You're in trouble." He uh, said, "You're yeah. in trouble." Oh my god, that gets I, I, that's cool. Uh, I would I love, love for that on my team. That's what Jimmy. we need. And 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 I'm going backwards, and I know we got to wrap up soon, but like that was something we didn't touch on about 
the Doc Presser, he kept saying – like, people were asking about accountability and player leadership. And, and Doc had said, like, some players – uh, lead on lead with their actions on the court, and some guys are vocal leaders. And he, ba- I think he like insinuated that you need like you can't be a vocal leader and like not be that good, uh, because eventually it just like doesn't pull the same weight. But like Jimmy sounds like he leads by example, like one A, and he also is a vocal leader, maybe to a lesser degree. Like we need, and that's not Ben or Joel's personality, unfortunately, and I don't blame them for that. But we got to find someone to fill that role, and I don't think it I, can just be solely the coach. I'd love to see them grow into it, though. Like I would love if talking shit MB came back and was doing what Jimmy's doing, and you know, put the team on his back and started being a leader. I would, I would absolutely love that. Yeah. He, why not? Why not Toby? Shit. Why not Toby? He's not. He's not kill. good enough. <laughs> But what if Doc? What if Doc gets him gets him humming out there? He's a tired act like Brad out there, and I, I think like he can't. I don't. Think I don't think his voice holds the same weight. Leader. Yeah, it's got to be Joel. Joel's got to talk shit. Maybe that it's was Alex Rucker that said like, "Hey, you can't talk shit anymore because my analytics say your plays decrease." <laughs> it's so it's I, so funny how how Doc made Toby a borderline all star, but he only averaged one more point per game for the Clippers than he does with us. It was all a scam. It was all a scam. It was yeah. the fleece. He pumped, the Joey says he, he pumped and dumped him on us. And that's pretty crazy, too, because he was more of a primary scorer. I mean, was he the number, what, two guy for them when they traded him to number us? Number one. It was him. Shea Gilgis was just a rookie. You know, he was still coming into his own. And then who they have? They Gallinari? Like, yeah, they floated around 500. They weren't, you know, they weren't that. They were in like the playoff race, but it, it was Toby, like empty stats. In my opinion, empty stats. I know people are gonna are gonna defend them and all, but I just I can't fathom it. But uh yeah, I think that's a, a good stopping point. There's a, a lot more I'd like to get to in these off season podcasts, but that's the that's the first domino. We got our head coach, we got our leader. So um, you know, before we go, congrats to Joe Embiid and his girlfriend. They're not married, right? I think it's his girlfriend, Anna DePaula. Um, who had a baby boy um, shortly after um, the Sixers were bounced from the playoffs, um, named him Arthur after his late brother, rest in peace. Um, congrats, Joel. Really happy for you. Um, Mazel hopefully, hopefully this uh, gives you the spark for next season. It seems like that happens to like, you know, Fred VanVleet and other players who had babies and they started playing really well. So congrats, big guy. All right, guys. That's all, all I got right. for you. Thanks for thanks for attending this therapy session, and uh, go birds. Go birds. First place. <laughs> First place. <laughs> That's all that matters. Take care, guys. Talk to you soon. See you guys.